You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, don't try suicide. You're just gonna hate it. It is end of days month here at Nightmare on Film Street, and we are celebrating with two apocalyptastic... It's scratch the tastic. Yeah, right scratch off the ta- scratch the tastic. <laughs> scratch the ta. Okay, that's not a hundred percent true. Either way, yes, it is end of days month here at Nightmare on Film Street on the website on the podcast, and we are kicking it off with the happening <laughs> and the crazies. Two modern classics. Oh, you'll never find another post-apocalyptic movie better than The Happening (laughs) and The Crazies. That's for damn sure. Yes, and we are talking about the modern remake of The Crazies, the more recent 2000 aughts Crazies, and, uh, of course, M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, the standalone cinema spectacular that is The Happening. But before we get into mind-melting diseases that turn your brain into a homicidal, suicidal, something-sidal maniac, John? What's keeping you creepy this week? Well, as I mentioned, it's end of days month here at the podcast and the website. So we are celebrating all things apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, pre-apocalyptic, uh, Satan stuff. You know, <laughs> anything that threatens the fabric of the of reality as we know it. Something that none of us can relate to, that's oh, for damn sure. No, and it's like the end of the year. You wonder why we made this month the way we did. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody likes to focus on the beginning of a new year, a fresh start, a do-over. But, but we say fuck it. Yeah, let's just burn it right the fuck down. <laughs> I cannot wait to bury this year in a shallow, disrespectful grave. 2020 can suck it. We're not even going to put a marker on it. <laughs> Unmarked grave. It's going to be behind behind the pet cemetery, like not even the second pet cemetery miles from the first one. Yeah, the anti-pet cemetery where like, hey, you bury your dead here, they never come back. <laughs> And we're not going to tell any old men where it is. (laughs) We're treating this year like it's the town and the crazies and we're dropping a fucking bomb on it. We're starting a tractor on it. So yeah, head over to the podcast. We're starting a tractor on it. It happened in the crazies. Okay. Uh, So head over to the website, nofspodcast.com, and and check out all the incredible editorials that our writing team is putting together for this month. Uh, We've also, of course, you know, the holidays are around the season two, and like we've got some great, they've got some great stuff lined up, uh, like some classic recommendations, deep dives into movies you've never even fucking heard of that just sounds so wild and bizarre. And, and of course, you know, things you're going to need in the apocalypse, like your official bartering guide. You want to know how many cans of beans you can get for a roll of toilet paper? Chris Atkins got you covered. We got that guide over at the, uh, over at the website, along with a whole host of other uh, post-apocalyptic editorials for your end of day needs. It's also end of the year, end of a whole 365 days of horror. John and I are going to be coming at you very soon with our top 10 horrors of 2020. We have a podcast drop of that, and also we'll have a companion article on the website. Mm -hmm. And new this year, because it's been such a weird year of releases and 
ho- time stuck at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are also releasing a top 10. John and I each individually list 10 of our favorite discoveries of 2020. So these are classic horror films, off-the-beaten-path horror films, and just some new discoveries that John and I watched for the first time this year and highly, highly recommend. And that one is going to be a Fiend Club exclusive. So you can only get that as part of the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Yeah, we recently finished watching Blood Vessel, a 2020 release uh, with the Fiend Club over on Scener. That was a whole lot of fun. Thank you so much to everybody that joined us for that. Uh, And we're going to be doing another live stream at the end of the month. New Year's Eve, bleeding into New Year's Day. We're doing a 24-hour horror marathon, and we're going to stay awake for the whole damn thing. I already regret this. Yeah, it sounds... (laughs) You know, I'm really amped about the idea, and before I even finish the sentence, I realize how much... How tired I'm going to be by the end of it. That's free and available for absolutely anybody. Join us. Ring in the new year with us. Fucking bury this year with us. As an added bonus, if you're a member of the Fiend Club, we will be giving away prizes throughout the entire live stream in between each movie. Yeah, and it's going to be super fun. So it's noon to noon, New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. That's Eastern Standard Time. And it's not just going to be movies. We're going to have a a bunch of fun pre-shows and commercials. And uh, John and I are going to do some hosting. So in between the movies, we're going to do some announcing and stuff. And you get to see our uh, awake level decrease throughout the night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like (laughs) My guess is that with each introduction, there's going to be a new type of fast food that we have ordered up to the office to keep us awake. If we have a bunch of different time zones, we're going to be celebrating New Year after New Year after New Year. Oh, that's so true. With uh, whoever's watching along. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. to shout out our web store again, because there's still time to shop before Christmas. And we have a whole bunch of really cool horror slash Christmas merch. The Krampus Collection. Head to store.nofspodcast.com to check out all of our cool horror merch and NOFS merch. Get it as a gift or get it for yourself. There is also a few days left to enter the Win Your Wishlist giveaway. If times are tough this year, we're giving a gift to one lucky fiend, their Nightmare on Film Street wishlist. So all you got to do is build a wishlist and enter the contest and you might win it. All those details are at store.nofspodcast.com. But without further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about some post-apocalyptic garbage. Starting off with M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. I don't know if any of you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times. Well, apparently, honeybees are just disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them. All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Nobody? You're not interested in what happened to the bees? All the teachers? The administration makes us teach with a foot of snow on the ground. What is this? There appears to be an event happening. Homeland Security and the CDC has reported attacks. Boston, Philadelphia. Maryland. White House officials claim the CIA has a defense against chemical weapons. I don't understand what you're saying. She says everyone's dead outside. What's going on? We lost contact. With whom? Everyone. The government's testing something there that went wrong. 
The affected area now includes California. Authorities are now feeling by the sheer numbers of attacks that a terrorist group being responsible is becoming less and less likely. Science will come up with some reason to put in the books. But in the end, it'll be just a theory. We will fail to acknowledge that there are forces at work beyond our understanding. Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, The Happening from 2008, is currently sitting at a 5 out of 10 on IMDb, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, and 1.9 on Letterboxd. I think this is also important for movies that maybe you think you're not going to have a lot of amazing things to say. It had a reportedly $60 million budget, took in $163 million at the box office. I I remember seeing it in theaters. We saw it opening fucking night. I was very stoked for this movie. Came out on a Friday the 13th. Yeah. On a hot June night. (laughs) (laughs) I got to admit, I was really excited to revisit this movie uh-huh uh john was very not looking forward to it. i i have things <laughs> to say he's been trying to wipe the whiteboard <laughs> clean for months i put this up there for our end of days month yep. and I and was, this is how we're ringing it in <laughs> i'm just so excited <laughs> yeah so it um it was interesting to revisit because I remember being quite upset with the film when we first watched it in theaters. We have not revisited it since. we were. I've just, seen it since. Oh, well, I put it to bed. <laughs> I tucked this it is... in and I put it to sleep. Yeah, I, I remember being so amped to watch this in the theater because I, and we just watched the trailer again now before we sat down to record. I still think it's a, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know what it is? It's that image of the people falling off the rooftop. The construction workers. Man, is that good. Man, does that... You're just like, I need to know what's happening. What's going on with this movie? Uh, And then, you know, his track record before this, too, has just been like A+, 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 especially if you ask me. Like, other... Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you ask us. (laughs) We're, We're weird in the M. Night Shyamalan camp. We still have flags. I had such a upsetting time watching this movie in the theater that we went to a carnival that was set up in the parking lot outside and i couldn't enjoy myself (laughs) i remember going like let's just fucking go home god damn it (laughs) the day is spoiled yeah i don't know that that happens to me anymore like this was at a time where like things need to be amazing and now i'm like yeah things just need to be better than bad (laughs) like that's that's all i need now and, you know, this movie is kind of that. It's kind of better than bad. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, no, I'm trying to be polite. No, it's it's so bad. It's, uh, it's a movie that is just full of bizarre choices behind and in front of the camera. And it's 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 all strange because it's wrapped around some interesting ideas. Like, at the very least, M. Night Shyamalan's always got a good idea. Yeah, so the premise of the film is pretty darn amazing. Yeah. And... There's real terror at the core of this movie, but tonally, the film is so messed. It is just a hodgepodge of, I don't know what to feel, and I don't know what you're telling me to feel. Yeah. And I think that particularly comes down to 
And I think it's okay at this point to rag on uh, the casting. Yeah. I was initially chalking it up before I had rewatched the film. I was like, you know what? You're you're just remembering it wrong. Maybe they just had bad chemistry. Maybe Zoe Deschanel and Mark Wahlberg just didn't get along on set. But they are just not even great at representing real human people on the screen. It has nothing to do with their relationship being muddled. It's just like, who is Alma and who is Elliot? Because right now they look like they just got scripts and threw them off when the camera started. I'll give I'll give them some credit in that like I really don't think the lines of dialogue are very good in this movie also. Like I don't think they are great characters, period. But the physical acting is not good. In the oh, beginning yeah. when Alma's looking at her phone because this boy she had tiramisu with is calling, her eyes are bulging like a cartoon character. And it, I don't even understand their relationship together, how they interact. It's like they've never stood next to each other in their lives. Never. Yeah, and like, especially when like, talking to John Linguizamo's character, Julian, you get the impression that they're like on the fucking rocks and they've barely seen each other in the last few weeks. And there's a weird setup where they can't, nobody can sit together on the train because she's being moody, but then Mark Wahlberg gets on the train by himself even though he's sitting with Julian. Like, it just... I do not understand the choices. Mark Wahlberg, I just don't think, has a very good... Um... I'm going to say it right here and right now. I don't think Mark Wahlberg has a soul. I can... There is nothing behind those eyes, John. There I... is nothing. I'll agree with you. He's like a bird. He doesn't, he doesn't ring true as a science teacher. None of the speculation that comes out of his mouth feels like thoughts. Like, there is no churning behind... The, the scientific character is supposed to want to work through everything. There, are, Yeah. And, you know, like, they, they give him the space to do that in a few scenes, and it's okay. But it's Mark Wahlberg, so it's not. It just doesn't do anything. But, like, it's just, like, lines. Yeah. Lines, lines, lines. I'm so not afraid of... Not that, like, like, who are we? We're not, like, the Rolling Stone. You know, like, we're just some small podcast. So, like, if we shit on Mark Wahlberg, it's not the end of the world. No, we're but allowed to shit on Mark Wahlberg now because everybody realized he's racist and beats people up and almost murdered a guy once. Yeah, so I, um, I really don't like him. No. And I... And I don't like him in this movie. And But there are some fun moments where you can appreciate that you don't like him. Like, particularly when he's forced to be the hero in situations like after this happening happens and they're all at this like four corners because the incident is taking place in every direction so they have nowhere to go mark Wahlberg has to be like shoved to the front of the pile so he can point at the map when like they were fucked off in some field or there's a woman having like a very intense conversation (laughs) with her daughter and like like, killing herself and he's like what's going on is everything okay everybody alive and like she's only fielding questions from mark Wahlberg, and then she's like what everybody's dead honey are you all right no you're talking really funny and like there's like this long list of like your daughter is declining and like about to approach death and mark Wahlberg's like what everybody's dead what's going on (laughs) he hasn't heard a word she said or we're in there when they're in the fucking model home and we don't know they're in a model home for like 10 minutes he thinks he's the funniest goddamn guy in the world because he's just like i'm gonna do a li- i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna really take in this scene and i'm gonna do a little object work with this glass <laughs> of wine that's not real and i'm gonna pretend to sip it he thought he was the funniest fucking guy in the world that whole time and i'm let's... talking to a rubber plant <laughs> oh my god the plant we need to get a video of the plant conversation and and just use it in our regular everyday life it's the new it's gonna be the new gif just mark Wahlberg talking to a plant <laughs> 
That's great. I remember seeing that in the theater and it not getting the reaction that that movie wanted. Like, it was, like, a lot of, like, uncomfortable chuckles. Like, <laughs> like none, <laughs> none, of, none of us. No one in the theater. Nobody had the energy to even make yeah. fun of the movie. We, we, we all just slowly started to mimic his weird, confused brow. Like, from the moment we were like, yeah, this movie's gonna be great. I loved Sixth Sense and Signs, I guess. And then... <laughs> And then slowly but surely, we, uh, we'd all finished our popcorn, we'd all drank our sodas, the whole theater, I could polled everybody afterward, and we just got more and more confused and wanted to laugh less. I do have to hand it to the movie, though. Mm. They kill everyone. I mean, except for the heroes, they kill everyone. Like, Yay! The, the, the whole happening, I guess, and as we learn from our science teacher, occurs because the plants are rebelling. They've created a neurotoxin and they're just fucking done with humanity. So they start with group sizes. They're they're doing major cities and then smaller towns and then groups of people on the road and then just the largest group of people in an area. Every single time Mark Wahlberg and Fam are in the right group. They're <laughs> in the smaller of the group. But we see groups of companions that they they coincidentally find and interact with are dead within minutes mm-hmm. which is is kind of crazy like uh, good and bad i do want to talk about the sequence where they are with the other duo the two boys those two kids like w- because we're we're running through it's the end of the world we don't really learn much about them you don't really know their story we see them die on camera. It's uh, it's a terrible scene, but I mean, I, you got to give them credit for for killing kids on camera. Oh yeah, lots of people die. Let's just take a minute and talk about the deaths in the movie. Like let's let's just like let's just slow it down. Yeah, get away from the Wahlberg brow. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 take a little side quest into uh, into fun death sequences. I think they're great. Uh, even even the beginning of the movie, the girls are sitting down to have a book read, and then one of them stabs herself in the neck with her hairpin. Yeah, shout out to the girl from Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, she's the girl beside her. Yeah, my only thing about about those scenes is that everybody freezes in a way that it's like a pause. Like everybody gets solid pause. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Well, they're being they're being hijacked by the plants, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like and honestly, that sequence of the the, the construction workers jumping off. The, the roof is still oh, amazing. I still love it. It is it is enough to give me to give a star bump to this movie. Agreed. It is it is maybe the only star this movie gets. That dude laying in front of the lawnmower? Oh, that's good too. Yeah, okay, fine. Also, I the the other thing, the the like rush hour traffic stop with the cop who shoots himself in the head, the cabbie comes out and grabs the gun, and we're just following Following the gun? Yeah. Yes. And then just like, oh, you, we see a pair of heels that turn and come and get the gun. I love that sequence. I a thousand percent believe that M. Night Shyamalan filmed every single bullet in that gun being used from that sequence. Oh, yeah. And somebody was like, this is too long. And We're going to cut like, it after This three. is the only good stuff in the movie. Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> not in it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something really hopeless about this disorder. There's, It's instantaneous. There's no preventing it. And... Apart from some spooky wind, you don't know when you're when it's coming for you. The spooky wind thing, I think, is just they had a hard like they needed some way to visualize it, and they do a pretty good job directing wind. Like it really, <laughs> like you, you like in, in the sense that like they block the wind so that way it's it's not hitting you know the leaves ten feet in front of Mark Wahlberg and uh, and Zoe Deschanel, and then you can see it sort of like creeping toward them. So like that's cool and all, but it's just some big fans, you know, like. <laughs> And just, you turn them on one at a time. 
<laughs> but it looks good. My favorite, though, is that when they start getting suspicious of plants, like there's a scene where uh, Zoe Deschanel is pushing Jess, the little girl, on a swing, and we're really focusing. She's looking up on that branch. <laughs> we're really like, focusing oh, on the, the, the rope, like rubbing on the branch, and we're like, is the tree going to be okay with this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Boy, there's a lot of that. It's it's and this this is why I think that it pairs well with Alfred Hitchcock's The Shining. What? What? Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. You know we're not cutting that out, right? Fuck you, we're not cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. It was good though. <laughs> so anyway, like I'm not I'm gonna try not to make this a huge detour because like the whole idea was like we're not talking about the birds, we're talking about the crazies, because the movie tries to highlight like how mean people are to plants. Which I don't think it does enough. Do they though? Well, they try to do it in the sense of like man versus nature. I think that the tire swing is one of them because like we've just co-opted this branch to support us for entertainment. Which is weird. I don't necessarily yeah, get that. Yeah, but it's that. getting kids outside and to, like, see nature and be among nature. I think a, a plant would be cool with a tree swing. There's also a very deliberate shot with the um, the nursery owner, uh, who's a great character actor. Oh, he was so tonally weird, too, because he was played for yucks, but, like, everybody else was so misaligned like, in terms of audience perception, that when he said that weird thing about the hot dogs, yeah, I was yeah. just like, are we supposed to laugh? It's, it's super, you know, hot dogs get a bad rap. They got a cool shape. They're packed with protein. Like, wait, they have a cool shape? Like, like I never... would argue that they have the most uncool shape. Kind of. Like, I've never looked at a hot dog and been like, cool shape. Like, never, <laughs> hey, ever, bro, ever. cool shape. <laughs> yeah, never. Um, but whatever. He's a great character. Frank Collinson, love him. Awesome actor. Shows up in, like, the weirdest places. Um... But behind... What else, sorry, side note. What else is he in? He's in Old Brother Where Art Thou. He's in... You would recognize him from The Village. He's the doctor in The Village. Hmm. He's in Suspect Zero. He's in Wild at Heart. He's in lots of stuff. I haven't seen any of those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> His nursery, right behind in the distance, are the, the two giant stacks for a power plant. And I think... Like, there are a few moments in the movie where we're really trying to nail down that man is bad for the environment. And it partly might just be due to the fact of, like, all of these cars breaking down. And, like, that's just a lot of exhaust being put into the air. The train's breaking down. Like, it's, it's always, like, means of transportation where people seem to get fucked and, like, get killed off first. So what does the diner mean, John? I don't know about the diner. So, like, I will say, like, that's one of the things I think the movie's trying to say. But, like, there's this other, like, weirder layer like right underneath that that nobody I ever see talk about is it's it's a thousand percent in this movie and it's about violence and ag- and aggression. What? Every single time somebody dies in this movie, groups of people die in this movie, you can tie it back to some bit of aggression or violence. Okay. Pick one. Like literally pick one and the I'll tell you what it is. Construction workers. So the construction Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, 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 shit. That's maybe like the one hole in this. I will say maybe. No, but yeah, I think you're right Maybe, though. maybe catcalling. That's <laughs> super aggressive. They deserved it. <laughs> Even from 15 stories up, they were screaming at these okay, girls. Okay, so what about the hairpin cold open? So the hairpin cold open is, is actually, it's like the second time that I watched this movie that I started to formulate this theory because 
it's literally like the opening lines of this movie. They sit down, they go, I completely forgot where I was. Where was I? She's like, oh, the robbers had kidnapped the people and they were deciding what they were going to do with them and whether they were going to kill them or not. It's like they're reading some sort of true crime book and like they both left off at a very violent spot in their book and they're so cavalier about the gross details of what's going on. Mm. Two groups get into a fight uh, and it's like- The army as, dude, right? Yeah, as they're arguing with each other and screaming, all of a sudden they stop, they start killing each other. That old lady who should not get killed by nature because there's only four of them in a room, just screaming and haranguing Mark Wahlberg. Oh, she goes so, outside. So maybe it's not actually group size. It's yeah. it's the more aggressive group. Yeah, it's violence. So it's like wars and stuff, I think, are what would trigger nature so many other scenes in this movie are people getting mad at each other and freaking out and dying and including a scene where it's not actually nature that does it which is where those two boys get killed and it's so weird because they're all on their porch it's such an odd uncomfortable scene because they stick around after these two kids are gunned down by a shotgun blast and they they mourn over them right in front of the door where the gun was poking out yeah, it's nuts. It's real. It's a strange, strange movie. And it's got, it's got ideas. Like, I really think the ideas in this movie are real cool. The idea of nature seeing man as being too aggressive for his own good, and that's why it's thinning out the herd, is cool. Because, uh, like, it's, the, the it's, it, you are literally a history of people who have just killed each other into, like, a semblance of peace. And now that you're no longer at war with each other constantly, you have power plants and you're literally just polluting the entire environment. Like, at no point do you stop killing things or people. Do so you have any theory as to why it was only on the East Coast? Or is that, do you think, just like a nod to the birds and where, like, it started at a harbor town and we have no idea if it's going to spread from here or now? The harbor town seems perfectly natural because that's just where birds would That's just out. where fucking birds are. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like, if you if you shot a scene in a harbor town and there wasn't a gull in the background, you'd be like, this is fake. <laughs> um, I honestly, I think it's due to 9-11. I think that's what really uh, all it is. And, like, you, you saw it, like, the next 10 years of filmmaking where so there the were... So the plants are capitalizing on people's fear of terrorism? They watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I just think that's maybe M. Night Shyamalan's decision to do it. Mm. Um, like, putting it on the East Coast. And also, too, like, as soon as something happens, it, it becomes a terrorist attack. We think it's a terrorist attack. Also, I think M. M. Night Shyamalan has a thing with Philadelphia. Does he? Oh, is The Sixth Sense in Philadelphia? Um, all I can remember is from, uh... Split, where they're, like, really focusing on that one tower. Oh, you're And it's, like, right. a commercial for that tower. Yeah. And then they never go to that tower. They never go to that tower. And the whole movie is trying to get to that tower. And then the finale's in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not of the tower, of the hospital that they all were always in. <laughs> Honestly, the other thing, now that we're mentioning it, talking about Philadelphia, it's a super old city. Um, like, it could just be that this is where people first showed up in America. Like, this is where you first came down. Oh, that's down. true. That is true. Yeah. That's about it. I don't know. Like, again, I, I think there are fun ideas in here that, like, we did we shoot the draft? Like, this is, like, the first draft of this. It's obviously not. I know. A, a lot of hard work went into this movie. I feel that way with a lot of M. Night Shyamalan stuff. And this is, this is maybe why there was kind of a curve to the audience's general reception. Because, like, after Sixth Sense, people were just throwing production money at him. Mm. And so he had all these scripts sitting and nobody said no to things. Sure. And so, like, they were just, like, um, M. Night Shyamalan unfiltered. Yeah, because, like, his ideas are a little strange and a little out there, and, you know, like, but, you know, like, we said the same thing about that Unbreakable movie, and pff, made a lot of money, right? And, you know, Mark Wahlberg's so hot right now, we can't lose! 
yeah, like there's some interesting stuff in this movie. And, you know, it's you can really see him painting with his Hitchcock paintbrush throughout the whole thing, especially in like lots of close ups. It is very Hitchcock. Totally. And it just, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think it works, you know? Like, I, I love that he tried something this fucking weird and out there, but it just, you know, maybe it came down to casting, but, like, I think the dialogue is bad. I don't think that Zoe Deschanel and Mark Wahlberg's characters... What does she do? What does her life be before that call? Do we even know? <sighs> she works in an office and is married and doesn't want to have kids, <laughs> you know? Like, that's... And then they have a fucking baby at the end. That is the dumbest oh ending of the God. world! Just, like, three months late. And oh, she's so fuck. happy. And the news is like, is this the start of something terrible? That would be like somebody doing family planning right now, like, at the beginning of this quarantine. The beginning, when we knew nothing about the coronavirus. And everybody was like, don't touch handles. I mean, we're still like, don't touch handles. But like, yeah. <laughs> at least now we know that like the percentage of contact is is low we were sanitizing our groceries and stuff because we didn't know like if somebody touched this box of wheaties am i gonna die like we didn't know no and they're having a baby in that well but it's over kim it's it's been three months everything's totally fine nobody in paris has died man (laughs) that's the fucking worst one of the worst things about this movie too the very beginning like i think we just gotta know that like it's a weird thing that nature did and we're never gonna have any answers for it. Oh, the bees. The Man, fucking bees. The fuck, what's going on with the bees, guys? Like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Like, don't, I, you, don't you have any interest in science? Like, and as a person who has watched a lot of movies and, like, tried to look at the patterns of movies. Like, you know, at 17 or however old I was when this movie came out, I was not necessarily thinking, like, ooh, theme stated. But, like, now as an adult, like, oh, God. you mean to tell me 10 minutes into this movie that you're not gonna give me a fucking answer for why people killed themselves for an hour and a half? Fuck you. Maybe it just happens. <laughs> I mean, like, We're never it's just, gonna know. It's just a happening. Oh, man. You know what's great, too, is that at the end of the movie, they have a scientist, based, like an actual scientist, not a high school teacher scientist, a Mark Wahlberg scientist, uh, at the end of the movie, in a interview with a reporter basically saying the same thing and the reporter going like yeah it's kind of bullshit (laughs) like like, i don't know maybe if it happens somewhere else we could believe you the logic is so awful though because you've you've created this world where we're following a scientist and a scientist reacting to this scenario and i know that you want us to get on board with like how it's happening really quickly like it get us to think sample size if we keep it small la 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 like so we're so we understand at least some of the rules to this incident. But in the beginning, he's basically proposing that the disappearance of the bees is fucking magic. Yeah, he's like, you know, you know, science. Could sci- be. <laughs> Could be. You know, one day we're going to come up with an answer and they're going to put it in the science book, but it's just an idea. It's just a theory. We're not going to know. We're like, that is not how science works, man. That is the man. opposite of science. Like what you're describing is the... The National Enquirer. Have aliens landed? I don't know. One guy said so, so... We're just going to have to have faith that the bees left because they didn't like our hot dogs. Like, what if that's, like, uh, it's, it makes as much sense as that. Oh, boy. You know, I went, we, we really, really tried to create, like, a good zen environment to watch this movie. We watched trailers. We pretended we were in a, an actual movie theater, something pre-2020. Dim the lights, got a soda. Yeah, like, phones were chucked out of the room. Like, we were ready to sit down and watch this. And then as soon as that bee shit happened, I was like, what is he talking about? Opening scene of the movie. He is not a science teacher right now. <laughs> Man, the the other thing about this movie, too, is the mood ring. The fucking mood ring! Again, okay idea. And, like, here's the thing. I, I, I get 
Okay. What color is love? So, okay, so, you know. I don't remember. Oh, the, but the, that, that, <laughs> that scene could be great. That scene could be real good. Like, Except it's Marky Mark talking through a tube. Yeah, to Zoe Deschanel, and uh, it's, uh, there's Their no. Their chemistry is better when they're 25 feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, harsh but true, harsh but true. But that's that like that story could totally work. And the other thing too, like especially if we're gonna bring it down to mood, which P.S. Mood rings do not judge mood. <laughs> um, it's just the temperature of your fucking skin changing the color, right? Oh, are you being a scientist right now? I'm being more of a scientist than the scientist in the movie is. <laughs> but I mean, like if that's what you're gonna bring it into, like that's another reason why I'm like, okay, I think it's based on aggression and emotion and like turbulent emotion, right? Because let's let's say the mood ring works, you know, and like. Like, he's getting into an argument with somebody, and we see that the ring's red, and it's like, ooh, boy, I'm mad right now, and I gotta calm back down, take a few deep breaths, get this ring blue, go out into the wind, let the wind accept me, <laughs> you know, for, for the, the calm, peaceful scientist oh, I am. all of the tension between him just, like, walking out like a hero, like... there's And there's no basis for him going out. He's just like, I can't, I can't be 20 feet away from you right now, we gotta be together, I'm go- I don't care about the wind, I'm going... <laughs> And she's like, no, don't do it. And so and he steps out. And then out. she steps outside. <laughs> Man, the whole thing. Yeah. Are you ready to get to ratings? <laughs> I think I'm ready to get to ratings. I hate this movie. <laughs> I do, I do want to double shout out, though, that lawnmower death because it oh, yeah, real was good. like super traumatizing. The other thing, too, like, I, I, I it was I, like I always, live leak traumatizing. Yeah, I, I always want to know how much decision making the specific person makes about how to commit suicide or if it's just the plants go like literally scanning around like terminators like like probability of the, death the leaves oh, of grass the... are just pointing at the yeah, lawnmower right? <laughs> oh that'd be so great because like that that is a horrible way to commit suicide like that is not the way you would you would think to kill yourself but it's good it's it's all environmental kills though. Like it's all just like immediate things in the environment. Like yeah, the construction wor- workers off the ledge, the gun in the middle of the road. Like it's the girl at the window. Like whatever's quickest, fastest, immediate. Yep. Oh, one kill that we didn't talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. The crazy old lady. I d- I don't know if I like loved her. She's she was I don't know, kind of weird. But her smashing her head in the windows of the the country house. How that was shot with her outside, so good. She was very, very terrifying. Also, the idea of the human committing suicide and letting the wind in the house was... It nails down, like, the possession element of, like, the plants. It's not just so much that they're blocking whatever proteins or synapses stop you from harming yourself. Like, it's literally controlling you. It was good. It was really good. I dug it. This Uh, would probably also work well with, like, the invasion of the body snatchers or something, right? I'm pretty sure the birds and the invasion of the body snatchers were the two inspirations that M. Night Shyamalan named. By oh, name. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this isn't like a thing that I feel like, aha, I see <laughs> I have through solved you. It. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm giving this movie a uh, out of four. Man, I can't believe e- Roger Ebert gave this a three I out of know. four. Man, I want to say one out of four. I'm going to give it 1.5 out of four. I was leaning to a 1.5 out of 4, but then you were like, out of 4? And I was like, ooh, ooh it's right? not a 5. Uh, we gotta just, we gotta just, I th- honestly, I'm starting to get to that point where we should just fucking flip over to 5. Like, it makes rating things on Letterboxd <laughs> so much easier. Yeah. I, uh, um, 
I'm going to go one out of four. And like the that one glimmering star is just the construction worker kill. Yep. And the lawnmower kill. That's I'm, it. I'm totally with you. Like a few key scenes of this movie are my one point one. Like, like are the one glimmering the one thing. star. And then like my half point is like, man, there's some good ideas in here. And like as, as a person who appreciates ideas, I appreciate your ideas. But execution is really what's. What's hurting that score? And, you know, to be fair, I do love zombie horror without zombies. The end of the world nature horror is technically like a zombie movie. And you were saying that about the birds and like you were really it's onto a, They're all there. that like it's the first zombie movie. It's it, like it, they come in a horde. And it's about like barricading and, and getting away and this like slow creeping thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think zombie is environmental horror for sure. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Moving on, let's talk about Breck Eisner's remake of George A. Romero's The Crazies. I don't care what the calendar says. Opening day. That's the first day of spring. What's that? Whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell are you doing? Rory, you lay that gun down. You did the right thing. Would you mind taking a look at Bill? Sure, what's wrong? I don't know. He's just not right. She worries too much. I'm fine. You got any plans this weekend? She worries too much. I'm fine. Hey, Ben. Ben. What's Dad doing? He has a knife. How long has he been playing a statue? A couple hours now. Same look Rory gave me. We're in trouble. Is he dead? David, there's somebody outside. 
Military started shooting town folk. Ah, we gotta get out of here, guys! from 2010 is currently sitting at a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, 56% on Metacritic, and 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I just want to say that Roger Ebert gave this movie a lower rating than The Happening. Yeah, Roger Ebert gave this a 2.5. The Happening was a 3. A 3! Maybe Roger Ebert's just a real big George A. Romero fan, and he likes the original a lot and he was not happy with this remake maybe that's all it came down to but you're right it is a little insane <laughs> this is another one of those movies that i i guess we saw it together i'm assuming we saw this together we did we, uh, we, were, <laughs> we were very excited to see this and, and we saw it in the theater opening weekend yeah and then i also remember not being thrilled with it it had a great ad campaign <laughs> like that's the thing like oh boy yeah were those commercials good i remember being really sold by that dragging rake oh yeah and being just like go full rake yeah. stay for everything else bring that pitchfork <laughs> pitchfork that's what it's called and you know also for raking you can rake with a pitchfork not really sh- nope okay. <laughs> i'm glad you said it <laughs> I just I just want to lay the, the groundwork for my theory here. Oh, theory. The pitchfork is the thesis of the movie. Explain. No, no. We'll no, be- I don't. <laughs> I don't know that we need to discuss it's, the entire film before we learn what the hell you're a- talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just dropping some truth bombs here. Yeah. This film is a it's it's you know and it's. It's 10 years too early because we are we are living under the pitchfork. <laughs> that... We are living in the world that the crazies predicted. It was just a little too ahead of its time in that it was about the the rising of of the uprising of the of the rural man of the you're not. You stop giving me those eyebrows. There's <laughs> the eyebrows have changed continuously, but I'm sure they match everyone listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> no, I just think there's a there's a really interesting I don't know message in there about the regular world being so quick to just shut down this rural area like it means nothing, and these are farmers and they're people that grow our food and they are people with value and lives and the fact that they are squashed like bugs so quickly by the government and the military and basically the the civilized world so fast it's kind of really interesting to see with like the current situation that America is in right now where it's like so divided based on rural and city living like mm-hmm. you can really put a line in between who's democrat and who's republican based on where they live. I don't know. I think there's a real good message in there. And the pitchfork symbolizes the like the rural people, like the 
hay bales and barns and horses. <laughs> so one one question I want to ask about that theory of yours. When you are watching this movie, do you think that people outside of their small town know what's going on? Like Cedar Rapids, the closest major metropolitan city. Do you think Cedar Rapids is watching the news going like, oh, some craziness happening over in this small town, population of 1,200. We got we to gotta quarantine it off. So <laughs> that's, you- that's a great point, too, because I think that leads to a, a kind of a bigger point that, and, and I wanted to talk about this on the podcast because it, it, I think it also relates to the happening as well. I don't know if the focal point of both films is the most interesting story here. I'm definitely with you regarding the happening, yeah. Especially with the crazies, like, what does the world look like outside this? Because there's this eye in the sky that it's almost like added like an afterthought where it's zooming in like Google Earth style, issuing these containment protocols and these nuclear bombs. Um, And I, I want to see more about like the procedure of shutting this town down and like what they went through because... Initially, there's some form of quarantine and they're they're doing temperature checks and they're they're doing living in a pandemic. It's a it's a little weird because you're just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I have mm-hmm. a feeling in my stomach and it's not a good one. Yep. Something that I didn't have the first time I watched this. So congratulations on them for nailing that in a world that didn't really have that as a um, a precursor, because now we're going to have really realistic medical anomaly breakdowns. Oh, yeah. Because we're all we've all experienced it and we're going to see like. Something that I don't think we were anticipating is there's going to be a lot more like fighting in the grocery store scenes, <laughs> just like civilians refusing to put masks on their babies for no reason, because that's a real thing. But that wouldn't, I don't think that would have been in movies previously. Definitely not. Contagion is definitely the best example we have of a movie that's, that's pretty accurate. It's going to look very like underdeveloped compared to some movies we're going to see in the future. I think in the grand scheme of things, because if you, if you zoom out of our timeline, Contagion actually came out so recently that I think in future history books, if if they are actually talking about this pandemic as, as a big, huge thing, I think they're just going to assume Contagion came out around the same time. Oh, I see what you're like, saying. Like, if you zoom out far enough, like, it's on the same dot. I'm, I'm 100% with you regarding the happening. Like, I really... We, we get a small glimpse where we're watching people who are watching the news, loading guns. Like, I want to know what the rest of the country was like, especially, you know, just just a little off the East Coast and how they were bracing for people that might be sick coming into their into their city and they just, like, were holed up with guns. I think we kind of get that a little bit with the two kids that get shot at that farmhouse. Um, the crazies, though, I don't think the rest of America knows what's going on. You don't think so? No, and I, I, I wonder if, like, the president knows what's going on in that mm. movie. I see it as a government's fucked up, government's trying to clean up their mess, and government's trying to sweep it under the rug as best as possible. You can't light a nuclear bomb in a country and not have people see, though. It's They're not worried about people seeing, they're worried about people surviving it and living to tell the tale of what happened. Because you can spin whatever narrative you want once it's happened. They can say... Someone from North Korea 
dropped something in this small town to test out some crazy pathogen. And, you know, unfortunately, it affected everybody. We quarantined them. We tested them. They were all positive. They were all sick and dying. And we had to scorch the earth to make sure that it didn't escape to Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think because the movie is so zoomed in on the this couple that we all we can do is speculate. I don't think we'll... I don't think there is a story that's been developed out that far. You know what I mean? I've oh, I really got to see, like, I'll say right now, have not seen George A. Romero's The Crazies, but good God, do I want to see it now. It's been on the watch list for a long time. I think now's the right time. Because I think his move, like, that, that whole angle of, like, the government has too much power, the government can do whatever they want, you are just a bug under their boot if they want you to be. He's the right guy to to tackle that. I don't know that we get it in the remake. I... Like, just broad strokes, really think the first half of this remake is great. The second half, where we're, like, straight military stuff, I think it I think it loses a lot. And that seems like George A. Romero's biggest strengths is the criticism of uh, of Americana. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where he took that story. Yeah. I have this weird relationship with the movie as well, because there's there's some things that I absolutely love about it and I'm really on board with. And then, yeah, like, a lot of the actual how things play out and the characters and the story and stuff, I'm not huge on. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love, though, absolutely, and and this has to have come from the original because it's got that very cutting George A. Romero commentary where it's, it's not spelled out for you, but you can, like, see it plainly and... The moment in particular that, that that I really thought about it was it was near the end of the film after the truck is blown up and they're standing on that highway just looking at the nuclear bomb that had gone off. Yeah. And it kind of just summarized the whole film about the the problem is that they were complacent, like they were living this complacent life, like they had this they had this house and they were they were starting a family and they were hanging laundry out to dry and like it was something about like living on top of a world that has nuclear capabilities and just like living day to day without any fear of it. The the whole reason this spawned was because the military was developing toxins completely secret and unchecked by a civilian body like people didn't know about it it was this crazy secret thing i think they called it trixie or something and yeah then something like that when it landed in the water and polluted the water then this is the first that anybody's hearing about it is because they are becoming crazy and and becoming these serial murdery id beasts i think that just like translates to like nuclear capability directly oh absolutely like this there, this is too much power for you to wield and you're just like let's see if we can Whoops, make this we dropped it well yeah and also like they what were... it's not a water balloon <laughs> it's, it's definitely not an oops like let's let's be real <laughs> that is not the reaction you should have when this gets out of hand like and the, the funny thing too is that like oh it was en route to texas to be destroyed like so you just decided let's build something that ruins lives wholesale and then yay we did it better put that in the trash bin like what was the purpose like there's no sense in wielding that power and we were talking about or at least i brought it up while we were watching the movie like with the big gigantic mushroom cloud at the end like i've i've always been fascinated with cold war stuff partly because of that partly because it, it all exists under this like white picket fence world where you're right 
It should not go unchecked. People should not pretend it's not there. We all know it exists. And the only time that anybody in the world has used a nuclear weapon as a weapon, we decided very quickly, immediately, this is horrible. No one should ever do this again. And, like, we, we all made an agreement. Never use nuclear weapons. But, but we, we are still also going to keep them. stockpiles Holy of them. fuck yeah. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because we, we talk about the Cold War as being, like, the peak of the fear of nuclear capability. But more countries now have nuclear capability than ever before. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, that clock, that doomsday clock that clicks closer to midnight or whatever. The reason why it's not going down is because we have nuclear capability. Yeah, it's never going to go down. Congratulations, we will always be within 10 seconds to midnight because so many countries are have this this ability to obliterate the entire planet. Yeah. And, and, and like, great, we're watching horror movies. Like, congratulations, <laughs> you have this new existential fear that you should have always have, you dumb fool. So here's, here, you want to talk about fear. Like, this is something that no! I like. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I like, I really had a, I, 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 <laughs> I was patting myself on the back for not bringing it up during the happening. And here we are. <laughs> Nuclear power plants, like, I just honestly, like, I constantly live in fear of them. Like nu- You do? Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> We're so close to one. We live so close that there are sirens around town that if anything, you know, there was, <laughs> there recently. Oh my God, this is the craziest story. <laughs> recently. Within, like, literally, it was not during the pandemic. It was pre-pandemic. I think, yeah, I think it was maybe February or but something But it was like still that. in 2020. Like, it was still in this hellfire of a year. Yeah, we we all in our immediate area got text messages while we were sleeping. I didn't wake up <laughs> saying, hey, there's a problem. The nuclear power plant is is going to implode. Take cover, basically, was the was the message we all got. We all slept through it. We all woke up and went, what? <laughs> and it was it was a mistake. Like, it was a test run, uh, and it should not have been sent to people, but we all woke up with the understanding that, like, maybe we just avoided certain death. <laughs> it's, it was sent out to everyone. And, like, we were running around the house being like, do we still have our cyanide pills? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they are not cyanide pills. They're iodine. Iodine. Whatever. Protect the thyroid at all costs. <laughs> we must protect the thyroid. Yeah. So um, that's just something that's happened in, like, our personal life. But even before that, um, you know, it was actually while watching Last Man on Earth where, like, oh, so great. Love- oh, yeah, when- yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they realized that, like, if no one is around to operate the nuclear p- power plant, it will just fail and ruin the world. We're not Okay, I shouldn't say ruin the world, but it will fail and catastrophe will happen and like good luck trying to find a place that is far enough away from the radius of uh, we'll call it radiation poisoning I'm none not, of that i'm not I, sure yeah you got enough coats for that no <laughs> it's not gonna be easy to get there we can't just hop on a bus but and then i also watched this really great movie from the 80s called made in the usa which was kind of also pretty cutting about america's path to power and well pe- like when i say power i mean like electricity and whatnot and like d- d- really fracking nuclear nuclear power like good luck surviving this like it really seems like this is going to be the end of us because we have crossed a threshold where it needs to be maintained constantly professionally and properly uh, otherwise we're all dead and it's the one thing that we use to get electricity 
And it's just like I, I get into this weird cycle where I'm like really worried John, about it. John, I don't want to be and real I, I don't, afraid. I don't know how we go back <laughs> from this. Like it's just like we've got wind turbines like all around us. We've got solar power. Like there are solar panels on half the roofs in our neighborhood and stuff. And it's just like I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like I think we've gone too far. Like and I, I just, I don't see any way out of it. Okay. <laughs> so the crazies. I really like the first half of this movie. Shifting real hard onto something else to try <laughs> and forget about my woes, which is usually what I go to horror movies for, and look what they fucking did to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is supposed to be my escape. For an hour and a half out of my day, I'm supposed to forget that I'm going to die one day. Um. So in contrast to The Happening, I actually think that this movie, I prefer the execution, and I don't necessarily love the ailment, whereas in The Happening, it was, the, was vice versa. Total opposite, yeah. Yeah. Love the I, ailment. The crazies, unfortunately to me, are too much like zombies. It's like a living zombie kind of thing. It's basically like everybody's high on Rageahol. It's to destabilize the population. Yeah. It's and, a great weapon. But then, like, you realize that they can talk and drive cars and... and... So, here's... You're talking about the crazies at the, the end of the movie. Yeah. Where they're just, like, yeehaw, going hunting, shooting people. They well, look no, a little but too crazy. The, well, there's that scene when they go back to the house and the neighbor lady is there and with her son. And they're out for revenge. Yeah, and they're definitely infected. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Like, you you seem really into it. Um, I just... I like it. Uh, so, I loved all the action sequences and all the fighting and stuff. Like, they did a really great job of keeping, like, the energy high. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I don't know if I love it. Are you talking specifically because it seems there are shades of crazy? Well, there definitely are. I think it's simply because of how far down the waterline they are. And that's that's how they track it. Mm. Like, this boat, plane, crashes in our water supply. Uh, and is the- a is a plane not a boat if it is in the sea? Ah, yes, one of the <laughs> sky boats. <laughs> you know the classic parable. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the first guy who shows up to the the baseball field with a shotgun. Um, and then the next guy who's that's just like, that's a good scene. That's a great scene. The guy oh, also at night where the guy just like turns his wheat thrasher on. Yes. Yeah. Love me love some thrasher. <laughs> um, so Except the wife stands in front of it. Yeah. Scary stuff. Don't farmers have rules like never stand in front of the, thr- the thrasher lest ye be thrashed. <laughs> the classic parable. Of course. But I mean, like that's a piece of machinery that she's familiar with and used to. It's, it's their livelihood. She wouldn't necessarily be scared of it. Yeah, but her husband's also in this weird category catatonic state but it's her husband she does she doesn't believe that he's gonna kill her which is what makes it ultimately even more sinister when he does <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so bad because like the thrasher is just a distraction to get her kid first and then he traps her in the house and douses it with gasoline and he's just fucking whistling it's real good i really like it but they they are the first in line to get water tainted water so like they're the ones that get the craziest and i think the people further down the line kind of just become psychopaths so i mean there are shades of of how it affects you because also it's not like they've they've dropped it into the air or they've they've literally spiked the 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 water supply they probably would have normally done if they were targeting that population it's just seeping out of the boat right mm-hmm. out of the plane god look what you've done <laughs> So yeah, I think that's that's what I've used to explain why some crazies are different than other crazies. Yeah, and I I know because we're following characters that are like in in the war zone of of this scenario, we don't get all the information on it, but there's a scene where the cop, the main character, 
stabs a woman with a knife that has impaled his hand and he is like cutting open her neck with it and like there is just so much blood commingling if if this thing is transfers to uh, like it's so it's just water we're not blood on blood is not gonna transfer it like blood on blood transfers everything if you fail giving somebody a cold you could probably definitely give it to them by doing like a blood pact (laughs) i think they are immune and like it's because of movie logic, right? Like the the well, the, he blood packed her neck. He bl- it's a hard blood packed, yeah, <laughs> very hard. I mean, hell, even just shooting that guy might, yeah, probably not. That happens all the time in movies where it's like you have to keep the sick people away from you, and they they shoot them like close range. If you get blood in your eyeball, you are done for. Or in your mouth. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, honestly, the only movie that takes that seriously is Planet Terror, which is bizarre. Like, <laughs> there is there is a scene where Rico is going through the hospital slashing people, and he's, like, literally avoiding blood spray because he's like, don't get it in my eyes. Yeah, like, you basically, in a zombie war, if it's that infectious... You need PPE <laughs> if you're going to be doing any close range combat because <laughs> it's zombie saliva. Like, and they drool. Like, they're just like, Aah. like that's why they drool. It's like rabies, right? Like, they want to get that drool on you. But I think, I think they are infected. Uh, but they are maybe uh, asymptomatic is not the right term for it. But I think they are just unaffected by so it. So they're they just carriers. Immune. Or they're completely immune because even like the the one quick little second act library we get from that guy they shoot in the head. It's just like, yeah, incubation period. I think he, he said incubation yeah. period. 48 hours. After that, you if you don't have it, you're fine. Like you're, And they you're, look over at their friend who's like super cray. And he, he shoots him in the head. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like either you're immune or you're dead is what he says. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're fine, which is luck because they're in love, you know? <laughs> like, the fact that the, the two they're of gonna them... They're going to have a baby. The, oh, what if both of these movies end with baby? Oh, because it's like hope. That's the, Yeah, that's what babies always are, right? I Honestly, I do kind of think that them being pregnant is more of a, like, hey, we're at the beginning of our idyllic life. Yeah. In the middle of this idyllic town. With our pretty little house. And it gets her, uh, it gets her separated from him in a great scene because her temperature's higher because she's pregnant. Um, but yeah, they really dangle that throughout the whole fucking movie, yeah. right? And the-, and the fact that they have, so I just need, I, I just need to just talk about this. Okay. The fact that the nursery is done and she is not even showing is absurd like john was like oh well maybe maybe they're trying like maybe they've been trying for a while it's like what you don't name your turtle before you buy it (laughs) some people do they don't even know what that kid's gonna be maybe he needs cars in his room and you've gone and done elephants you idiot i don't think the newborn baby cares the baby has a say you could decorate the room with pages from the necronomicon and the baby wouldn't know the difference that is a really fun baby room idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to stop your relatives from coming over Do too often. Do the baby Namicon. <laughs> yeah, here you go. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they they bought the house. It's got four rooms. There's only two of them. I guess when you're bored, you can decorate the nursery. Yeah, but that's supposed to be, like, a thing that you do. I don't know anything about pregnancy, but there's, like, a phase. And so as no, as an expert, we're here <laughs> as, to tell you. As an expert. Well, there's supposed to be, like, a period in your pregnancy that you're supposed to do it. Like, it's called nesting. And it's, like... The period where you're supposed to start getting ready. I don't know. As a rule breaker, I find it very odd to hear from you that there is a time and place to do things. There is a time and place, John. Okay. And they did it too early. 
Okay. I I don't know. It was just weird how she was just like, I'm pregnant the whole movie. She says it the whole movie because like it's just like we can't let her get in danger. We can't let her go under anesthesia because she's pregnant. And then we can't do other stuff because she's we can't oh don't was, kill me i'm she pregnant was in a, she was in a truck rollover they put her in a lot of dangerous situations and uh also she they go from like one period where they don't eat or drink anything for 24 hours like <laughs> that is that's not good no i love all the i love the beginning though when they're they're getting cut off and like we're super insulated in the town and it's just like all of a sudden the phones aren't working all of a sudden cars aren't driving through town all, like, they're being woken up in the middle of the night with flashlights and guns in their face and they're being separated and stuff. Like, I love all of the weirdness that of the beginning of this movie. That thing happens so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our internet, we tried watching this last night. Our internet was acting up. We had to finish it this afternoon before recording. And I was like, no big deal. We got like 15 minutes left. Middle of the movie. Like <laughs> we were in the direct middle of the movie. And I, I just think that the second half does not play nearly as as well for me. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's that we all have a different opinion of the military now than we did in the 70s, maybe? Like, I think it was, like, maybe a little odd to criticize the military and say, like, you know they could just show up and wipe out a whole town if they wanted to. We, we know they have that power, but they would never do that. But, you know, after watching the 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 gulf war the war in afghanistan like i think it's not a surprise that any of that is that is possible the way that law enforcement and military were initially was just like they're coming to throw sandbags down when there's too much snow and it's just <laughs> yeah. like your neighborhood traffic cop but it's just like no they're here to restore law and order like they're they're here to keep the ship shape and you are a zombie now <laughs> yeah well like that's that's the propaganda that you always see like oh the military's so great they have basketball games they help the community look at them bringing meals to the elderly yeah that's to remind you that they won't show up and kill you if they think that your temperature's too high when they're told to do it because like they, they unmask a kid who's literally just a kid like he looks like he's just out of basic training but they're like hey guess what kid we're putting you into action today and you get to kill whole families Ugh. Yeah, and then they just do it, like because that's that's how the military works. Like you're given orders, you're not get, you're not told to think, not because of you're stupid, but because you'll actually remember that you're a human being before executing those like, orders. If you think about it, you're gonna get PTSD after. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> oh man, the cops are no different. Like I did an interview with a filmmaker this year who studied up on police procedurals and police training videos. Uh, for a movie called Survival Skills, which is great. It's really fun, um, but it gets super dark. And, like, literally one of the highest paid police trainers uh, o- operates a program called Killology, which is to kill without thinking, so that way you remove the humanity from the work. <laughs> like, you wonder why everything's fucked now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> You keep making it hard to go back to this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I didn't know if I liked that they were almost zombies. <laughs> I know. Okay, so let's actually talk about the movie. Because the more we talk about the themes of the movie, the more I'm like, fuck, this is a good movie. But like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know. One of my biggest problems is that it, and, and it's a compliment to the fact that there are so many fun little sequences. Like, I love the morgue. 
it seems a little ill-fitting for the movie because it's got this kind of like voodoo angle. Oh, and, where he's cutting his fucking and, lips open? Yeah. Like in just enough time to be like, behind you. Yeah. <laughs> the mort- Love it. The mortician, I mean, the, the bone saw is great. Yeah. And like something about the skittering of the bone saw on the tile, I was just like, ooh, this is a good ear sound. <laughs> uh, that was really wonderful. Just It was just kind of a weird segment. Also the fact that the lead characters were way too safe. That's my biggest problem with these adventure movies is that the the people that you follow from the beginning make it through all of these crazy, insane odds. They break into military bases to rescue their wives. Insane. And then there's fast travel. You said that while we were watching it. It blew my mind. fucking fast travel in this movie. Well, yeah, because you said like he gets he gets taken from his house, put onto a bus brought to another place, knocked out, put on another bus. And all of the cars in town are booted, so they're going everywhere by foot. Yeah, and but but they're able to get there, no problem. And then they're walking around outside and everything destroyed, being like, why does it look like this? Like, dude, didn't you just walk through this chaos yeah, you, to rescue your wife? Yeah, you were here 10 minutes ago getting guns before leaving and coming back. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. Fast Um, travel was the greatest way to describe it. They (laughs) literally are just like, oh, this D6 can be used like a D12 this round. (laughs) Yeah, we played board games. What? We played them once, John. (laughs) The segment that I loved the most, the segment that I most enjoyed, and the movie is kind of divided into chunks. Like, you can divide it by, like, what crazy interaction it is. Like, the crazy interaction at the truck stop, the crazy interaction at the country house, the crazy Mm. interaction in the barn. My favorite was the crazy interaction at the car wash. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, the car wash was another room full of great sounds. <laughs> it's, it honestly should not have been as good as it was. So good. I had so many emotions watching it. And the first one was, this is ludicrous. But that went away very quickly. It is ludicrous, but they, they play it straight. They play it serious. There's a really great, so back on my sounds, there's a really great sound of the wipey rag going up like the like those like long rubber like fettuccine things (laughs) the washer fettuccine yes going up the the windshield and it's like that was good so good (laughs) you want you want to do that one more time for my sound no 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 no, no. let's just get a clean take for my sound effects file yeah we're gonna use that I'm going to make a movie soon and all the Foley's going to be from this podcast. Like, <laughs> zombies hidden behind suds and like hammering fettuccine noodles. So good. Yeah, and they um, can't drive out of it because they're stuck in like the conveyor belt. Oh, it's it's great. It is great. Yeah, it, it should not have worked so well. And then just as they're getting out, right? Like the zombies broken the back window. They're flooring it. They're getting the gas on. Somebody wraps like a noose, I guess, around that poor girl's neck and she hangs. That was pretty crazy. Oh, boy. She yeah. died very fast. It was very sad. Yeah, she did die really fast. Yeah. Suspiciously fast. But, you know, uh, it's it saved their lives in the end because somebody just put a fucking rocket launcher through their car while they weren't standing in it. It reminds me of, and I don't know if this is real or if I'm imagining it right now, but was there not like a haunted car wash, like a zombie car wash? Because I swear that that's a thing that I've heard of. But that if sounds it's great. not a real thing, we need to start it up immediately. You sure it's not just like a car wash like you'd see in a montage where you, you like, we got to save the gym. No, and- I meant like a haunt, like a... You you go in your car and it's like, okay, you... I think you're just ascribing the car wash detail to something that does exist. Yeah, like there there have been haunts this year where you drive through them. Well, I think a zombie car wash would be great. <laughs> is all I'm saying. 
So you literally mean car wash. I do literally. And then they're just like moaning and on top of you with sp- with sponges. Like, and they wash your car. Okay. But they also try to eat your brain. Tips are appreciated. <laughs> My Venmo <laughs> is brains at AOL.com. It was popular when I was alive. So like instead of brains, it's just hot wax. <laughs> Full details? Man, we could we could we could do this for a while, I bet. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Oh yeah. I, I think that would be a great haunt. And it would be safe because you'd be in like like African Lion Safari. You just don't open your door. Nothing about African Lion Safari sounds safe. But I bet those animals don't do shit. They're just like, it's hot, we're laying down. <laughs> you go ahead and drive on. The movie ends on a really weird note where they are Oh, we're so safe. It's just like we can see Cedar Rapids, I think. Cedar Rapids, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids? Cedar Rapids. One of the rapids. One of the rapids. Off in the distance. We're making our way to the skyline. And the and then we pull out again. The military sees them walking. And it's and Google it, Earth. <laughs> rather, than, uh, rather than just shooting them dead, they're going to go quarantine. Yeah, like they have a, a couple miles left to walk. And they're like, initiate quarantine protocol. Initiate sequel sequence. Well, like, what it goes to show there is just that it does not matter the size of the city. They will fucking wipe you out if they have to. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's no difference. Like, let's, let's, let's be, oh, I don't want to keep bringing this back to, like, weird places. But, like, there there is no end to their power. They don't care about you. Like, <laughs> they, they will kill you if they have to. <laughs> if given the orders, if they deem it necessary, there is no, there's no limit to their power. Like, they have the capability to wipe out entire nations. We just never think about them wiping out, like, a city of their own. But they can, and they will. And not even just thinking in terms of, like, military, but I think about this all the time, especially, like, with all of my quarantine brain time. Sure. That we're actually, like, super lucky. And this sounds like a weird thing to say because we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are sick and and ill and um, people are passing away. But we're very lucky that the first modern day pandemic wasn't something worse and that it's actually something that we can definitely get through as a as a community and as a society yeah and like we're 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 seeing some glimmers because there's there's vaccines and stuff but i honestly think that if it was any worse like if the the r naught or whatever was any higher or this disease was any more grim Mm-hmm. That it, we would have been so ill prepared that there would have been pandemonium. It oh, would yeah. have been insane because we're just not ready. We don't have pr- like protocols in place, and you'd think we would from like the Spanish flu and stuff. But nope. we have such short memory spans that if we don't get another pandemic in another two hundred years from now, like society over- then is going to be doing the same situation. But oh, we're going to be back to normal very soon. Yeah, I like- think we're very lucky that it wasn't more serious so that countries can start planning for having adequate PPE and like paying healthcare people properly and nursing care homes and like that's that's the optimistic thing. That's the thing that I'm looking at is like I I hope we really use the time that we are granted from this crazy scenario to be prepared for something more serious. And I think a lot of people underestimate the coronavirus in general, but we should use this to make sure we never underestimate anything ever again. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I got a, th- you know, like everybody, I watched Contagion again b- at the beginning of the pandemic. It's just It was a mistake. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it made me feel pretty good about what was going on because it did not seem like coronavirus was as deadly as the virus that's in that movie. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like what you're describing. Like, if it were more deadly, because it's just as contagious. I think it has a very similar r not. Um, but it doesn't seem like the mortality rate is the same. And if it were, we would be devastated, especially based on watching how people are reacting to it now. Mm-hmm. Specifically in the United States. Like, Can- yeah. Canada's being kind of shitty not, right we're now, We're not too. doing very great either. No, no. But, um... Most of the world is not doing great. Let's be true. real. Most yeah. of the world, except for New Zealand. I guess you just got lots of people. That's the problem. When you have lots of people, how do you stop it? You like, have a lot of opinions. America's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of opinions, too. <laughs> I do want to talk about the, the truck stop a little bit because I think it's such a weird segment. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, let's uh, go. So we have the the deputy who's definitely going crazy, sacrificing himself at the military base so that our couple can get to the highway and make a break for it to the state line or whatever. Yeah. And they go to this truck stop. And it's a weird extra segment. It's like another chapter of this movie after I feel like we already had like the, the denouement in the field. Don't you find that it was like tonally like lifting you back up a hill to go back down again like you're on the roller coaster and you're like I didn't see this hill I felt that way about a lot of the movie unfortunately but I think that that scene was important because it shows that the military rounded people up and killed them regardless of their condition Mm -hmm. this is something that I kind of missed at the beginning of the movie but they they lingered on a bracelet that had a I think it was a green band essentially to say this person is healthy they still killed them anyway that's what it is like they they rounded a bunch of people up they said, you're safe, you're not, you guys, we're going to put you on this bus and get you back home. And instead, they just brought them to the middle of somewhere, shot them all, burned them, yeah. didn't make a fucking difference. Well, yeah, I think, honestly, I think the orders changed. Like, I think that they were trying to, in, in the same way that, like, we dealt with the pandemic by shutting down immediately, and then things started to change once we learned more information. Like, I think they had to shut down the population, and then they started quarantine protocol to see if there could be, you know, like, lives salvaged and stuff. And I think that... Um, they couldn't contain it because obviously you saw the breakdown when the the wife was in the hospital. Like that guy, the fire department was it, drove their truck through the fences and were yeah. like attacking the military and like they just could not contain it. Yeah, that's wild. And so like there was no separating the sick from the well. I've been reading this book about um, creepy cults and stuff. And there was this whole chapter. Apparently cults have like a thing about poisons. Cults and poisons go like really hand in hand. And I had to stop reading it for a little bit because there was this chapter on this Chinese cult leader from like the early 20th century who got like obsessed with developing these poisons mm-hmm. for like world domination level. And and the book went into some of the poisons that he was working on and some of the things that they tried. And like the poisons that exist that we have now and the chemicals that we know how to make, like we already have things that are as devastating as what occurred in this movie. Which oh, yeah. is insane. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Like, even the, th- the common day things that we all know about because of Breaking Bad, like ricin and all that <laughs> stuff, like, at mass quantities is terrifying. Well, fuck fentanyl. Like, you could literally, like, fentanyl is fairly easy to get from what I understand. Like, you could kill everyone in a metropolitan city with fentanyl. It'd be, it wouldn't even be that hard. And it's like a street drug now. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. This is a pretty grim movie. Yeah, like, you know, the weirdest <laughs> thing is, like, we keep trying to talk about this movie, and we keep talking about, like, things that just scare us about the real world. <laughs> Which, oh, man, the real world's scary. 
I did not expect the rest of this com- this podcast to go like this. <laughs> like I really did I really did not. Oh man, but it's uh oh man, I feel I feel stupid too because you know, you watch a movie about like, oh, do you you really know what your government's up to and like what they're capable of and should you really just sit back and let that happen? And I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't. Also, I'm going to go make a coffee and walk my dog and go on with the rest of my day. It's like, I don't I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Thanks for this burden movie. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, like, I, don't, I can't vote on what the military does. I guess we could protest more. Like, I, I think that's what we could probably do. It's not like the Canadian government's any better. Like, they, they're getting just, like, some weird espionage problems, like, this year in, in their own country. Uh, just like trying to like weaponize disinformation and failing at it Every, publicly. Everybody's trying to weaponize information right now. It's just a brutal, I don't know. I know, I just like, I, I guess it's good that the Canadian military got caught doing it in, in Nova Scotia, but like, ugh. Let's do what everybody does in a zombie movie. Let's just go to a fucking island. <laughs> like, let's just hop on a boat, go where there's no people and hang out. I have to be fair though, those are my favorite types of zombie movies. The ones where they, they put them in a really weird location. You know, oh, like, like you're on zombie a zombie beach party and you're like, <laughs> today we're in Hawaii, but oh no, there's zombies. That That's great. That's such fun. This one was just like zombies in fields and they weren't really zombies and, and there was too much military stuff giving us these weird existential crises. Crisi. Crisi. I mean, hey, there's, a, there's also a bend of just like uh, taking farmland and turning it inhospitable, which is happening all across America right now from fracking and other things so i can totally see why people who live in the heartland and the farmland of america seem to enjoy this movie more i'm thinking specifically about one of our writers chris vogel who wrote like a really great retrospective on this movie and has just been like a huge advocate for it and like reading his his article i like saw the movie through his eyes for the first time which was which was interesting before we sat down to watch it and record the podcast but yeah, this movie, uh, this movie puts this movie bummed me out. Now that we're talking about it, I know it. I wasn't bummed out watching it. And now I'm just really depressed. No, because when we watched it, it was just a movie, and now we're just like, oh, this is the world we live in. Like this is <laughs> like, thanks, George A. Romero. You did the thing you did great so well that like we're bummed. <laughs> like the day is ruined. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I do think though that there's something there about classism and and being able to completely discredit an entire community of people because you undervalue them. I think that's something that's a huge, I think there's, there's like a huge point there that I honestly wouldn't have recognized without having 2020 eyes. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm imposing my 2020 perspective on this film, but it seems like, I, I don't think I saw that in 2015. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's constantly problems about people discrediting farmland, and it's just, like, people think food comes from the grocery store, but it really comes from farmers. Well, and, yeah, like, and, like, all the hard labor and the, these people that, that live out in rural communities and stuff just being like, eh, there's only 500 people here. We can just, you know, like, put a bubble on it and we'll contain it or, like, yeah. kill them all. And it's just like, yeah, but this is, like, these are people. <laughs> yeah at the end of the day they are people like let's who gives it it doesn't it doesn't matter what they do for a living how many of them are there it's it, they are people mm-hmm. but then i guess at the ending when they're ready to do that to a major city it just shows that like oh yeah we're all equally valued exactly zero. exactly i think that's I, I think the ending of the movie is a little silly how they present it but that's exactly the point it's trying to make no one matters it like, it, it does not matter to the military where you are who you are or how important you think you are they will wipe you out if they have to 
or if they want to. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the objective, and the objective is to, like, contain Trixie or whatever she is. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your rating of the crazies? Um, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 4. I'm going to give the crazies a 2.5 out of 4. I really like the first half of this movie. I really like the individual sequences. I just think that the stakes aren't high enough for you to ever really, like, dive into them because you know every scene ends with a convenient cop shot every single scene oh yeah totally. every single scene yeah like they're they're never in dire straits like they were in dire straits the whole time but like you know they're gonna make it out mm-hmm. like even in the end when like we see that they're gonna blow up cedar rapids i still have a feeling like they'll make it out those two i yeah. mean they're our main characters nothing's gonna happen they'll be fine yeah really gotta watch the original now damn I don't know if I can handle it after this conversation. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's just our sad, depressed, <laughs> pessimistic opinion. That's just our quarantine. Yeah. Let us know how you're handling depression and fear over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. There's the Nightmare on Film Street subreddit, the Facebook group, the Horror Movie Fiend Club. We're even on Discord now if you want to look, if you want to talk to us there at NOFSpodcast.com slash Discord. It's the easiest way to get there. And if you're new to Nightmare on Film Street, hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode. We have fun content every other Thursday, sometimes every Thursday. And if you can leave us a quick five-star rating and review, it really helps the show grow and reach more fiends. Speaking of which, if you're a huge fan, super fan, you want extra content, more content, swag, shout-outs, join us at the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. But that's it from us this week. I'm John. Um, Kim? Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. 
The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause, and Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.